In Leviticus 21, priests were not supposed to shave their heads, but he said, take a sharp sword and uh, shave your head and beard. Ouch. That would not be a uh, desirable instrument for shaving, wouldn't you think? A sharp sword? I mean, that's... You would assume it's pretty difficult to get the beard without getting a little bit of the hide at the same time. So that sounds unpleasant. Uh, by the way, sword becomes a theme in Ezekiel. Used uh, The word sword used about 90 times in Ezekiel. And that's he's going to talk a lot about it. So it's appropriate that he uses a sword. But then, what's really weird in this passage is what happens next. What does he do with the hair he gets off of it? Weighs it out. Really? Weighing the hair out? He wants to get it correctly divided into exact thirds. <coughs> you know, I don't know how many how many of us would have, you know, be able to come up with an instrument precise enough to weigh hair. <laughs> Is there any weight to hair? I assume there must be in some sort of a minuscule sense. But, so that draws attention to itself right there. It's weighing out the hair. A third of it he burns in the center of the city. I assume he means his little brick city. You know, he puts it on that little brick and burns it there. And then a third of it, he, he takes and he starts hitting that, cutting that hair with his sword, which is really weird to think about too. Again, you know, probably wouldn't take a sword to cut the hair. And then a third of it, he throws it to the wind. Well, when he throws it to the wind, then he, he, he runs after it with a sword and starts cutting it with his sword while he's thrown out in the wind. So it's kind of weird. And then he takes and he gets a few, I assume of what he through to the wind, he grabs a few of them back and shoves it in his robe. And then he takes some of those few and he takes them and burns them in that fire. <laughs> Did you get all that? Well, think about what this means. I'm just going to go ahead and talk about what I think this is saying. Uh, obviously, the city was Jerusalem. We knew that. That was the brick city. Now, the idea of measuring the hair is not that, not that the idea that God's judgment is deliberate, carefully measured. It's not haphazard. You know, God's going to apportion out the exact judgment down to the, uh, you know, milligram or whatever that that you know he that they deserve. God does everything just right. And and what what's going to happen to them? Some of them are going to just be burned in the city. You know, in whatever sense that may have been. Some of them are going to be killed by the sword. Some of them are going to escape. But with the Babylonian sword going after him, remember Zedekiah's sons and, you know, cabinet officers and so forth that got killed. A few of them God's going to hold back as his remnant through, that he's going to preserve, but even some of them are going to be pulled out and burned. So this is like, he's going to have a remnant of a remnant. The rest of them are either burned, slain with the sword, exiled with the sword, chasing them. And then just a few are the remnant and some of them are burned. So that, I think, is the idea of what he's saying with that. But again, imagine what people were saying about Ezekiel. You know, and just, just thinking about that is just really, uh, you know, God is, God is trying to do something outrageous, something attention-getting, something that's like, what in the world is he doing now? You know, really? You know, I, I think it'd be things like that. But, but how else is God going to communicate with people that are this stubborn and hard-headed? It's going to take some kind of real, you know, strong message. Thoughts and comments.
by doing extreme things like this, you're likely to get publicity that, that, that people are likely to talk about this weird Ezekiel guy is running around chopping hair and eating feces and, and it, it, it helps get the message out better than possibly Ezekiel could have with, with his methods. Yeah, exactly. It is drawing attention to it. Definitely. Other thoughts? Would they see that the hair He's going to give explanations, though it's not going to be as direct as I just gave. But the rest of the chapter, you're certainly going to see the idea that God was punishing Jerusalem. So I think they would at least get that. I don't know. I don't think this is that difficult to understand. I think, you know, once you see it in the context, this is pretty, pretty intuitive. Just weird. All right, look at uh, 5 to 7. Thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations with land around her. But she has rebelled against my ordinances more than the nations and against my statutes more than the lands which surround her. For they have rejected my ordinances and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have more turmoil than the nations which surround you and have not walked in my statutes, nor observed my ordinances of the nations which nor observed the ordinances of the nations which surround you. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I also I will. Yeah, and he's going to go on, and he will talk a little bit about the hair specifically in verse twelve. But uh, but yeah, so I want to get this section. So this is Jerusalem. So he's, he's really establishing that. And uh, she's the center of the nations. So she's right there um, in a privileged position. What made her in the center of the nations? God did. You know, God gave her a lot. You remember Amos 3. Uh, uh, this is a, an impressive passage to me. In Amos chapter 3, verse 2, where God says, uh, You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. That's cool, isn't it? You are the only ones I've chosen. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. I'm thinking, therefore, I'm going to give you some great reward. No, therefore, I'm going to punish you. The chosen ones, the ones that are more highly favored and blessed and privileged, have the greater judgment. To whom God gives much, he requires much. I think that's the idea. That's Luke 12, 48, for example. And other passages. So God had blessed Jerusalem to put her in the center of the nations. But she has rebelled against my ordinances worse than the nations. You know, she had surpassed them at their own game of, of wickedness. You know, as if the nation's wickedness in itself wasn't bad enough. She ups the ante. She wins the international wickedness contest. That's probably not a contest you want to win. You know, but but that's like, this is so outrageous. God blessed her so much, and she turns out worse than the ones he didn't bless. The nations kept the laws they didn't have better than Israel that God gave the laws to. That's just outrageous. That would be like saying that Christians' behavior is worse 
than the unbelieving world around us. Sometimes that may be true, but for shame. That surely should never be true of God's people. We have been blessed so much. If our behavior sinks lower than the world around us, that's the way God looked at it. And God is very sensitive about that. When he has blessed his people, he expects something out of that. And certainly something, a standard of, of morality and righteousness and decency that's higher than the nations that don't know the Lord. So that's what he's saying. No wonder God is, is going to decimate Jerusalem. I mean, what we're seeing here is God has no choice. God will punish his people. He is going to do a number on that city and the hair. And, and because, because what else can he do? This is just outrageous misbehavior. That, that God must punish. Jake? Uh, later on, he's talking about all this, what he's going to say later on, to be very beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. How he describes what he did for Israel. Yeah, absolutely. God blessed Israel so much, <clears throat> and their behavior, uh, he will describe it in some very vivid terms, eventually. member of the congregation who is doing something and Paul said Right. First Corinthians five with the man living with his father's wife, that was worse than the unbelievers. Yeah. Which is bad. Thoughts and comments on that, things you want to reflect on. Yes, awesome. And, and certainly with God having so much more right to expect more <clears throat> Other thoughts? Alright, we're going to take another break. In this one we're going to get to eat, but i got some housekeeping to do here before that. So, uh, 